the more honest you are, the more easier the interview was. And same goes with dating. Be vulnerable. <laughs> Be honest. <laughs> Be honest, right? Yeah. And also experience helps a ton. You're right. You're talking about dating, right? Because you do have a lot of experience. I can confirm more than I. Welcome listeners to a few listeners who listen to our first episode. This is another product podcast where we share our product experiences navigating EU tech as non-EU product people. My name is Enoch. My name is David. And this is our show. So David, before we dive in, let's do a little bit of intro of ourselves and also talk about why we're we recording this, right? So my name is Enoch, aka I age better than Pharrell, and I currently work as a product manager at High Snobiety, which is a global fashion and lifestyle media brand that was founded actually in 2005, back in like WordPress blog days. And now we have an e-commerce department. I'm in charge of that e-commerce department in charge of the app. Last year, our company got bought by German e-commerce giant called Zalando. David, tell me about you. So I'm David. I'm based in Berlin, and I'm the product lead at Chainflip Labs, a decentralized exchange in the crypto industry. Before that, I launched a car subscription marketplace at Autoscar24, where you and I met. And for the past 12 years or so, I've been launching products in different industries, in MarTech, mental health, delivery services, first as an engineer, and then I discovered my passion for product. So yeah, I'm a generalist, you know? I like to discover and explore different fields, you know? As generalist as he is, he's an engineer first and a product, which he has the the double-edged sword, whereas me... Before High Snobiety, I was a product manager in U.S. probably about 11 years, mainly on the media sides. So music startup, children's media, big corporate media companies for children. And yeah, platform is something that I'm more used to when it comes to product. David, I can ask you to answer this first. So why are we talking about this podcast? Why are we started this podcast? That is a great question, you know. Why we started this podcast? Because we believe there's a lot to say about doing product in EU. The things we wish we knew, the good, the bad, the ugly, right? And honestly, there is not that much content around that. And as expats or non-EU tech people living in Berlin, we can certainly share our insights to those who are thinking about moving in. Yes. And also for people who moved here, they can relate, right? And David and I, we worked in the American tech scene. Again, we follow the you know, Y Combinator and all the traditional Silicon Valley folks. But sometimes those teachings or lessons does not really fit with the EU culture, right? We care about data. You heard YC? With that... <laughs> The reason why I'm recording this is because we're midlife crisis. I'm not going to share my age. That is why we're doing, I'm doing this. So today we're going to talk about our tech, like EU origin story, how we moved to Berlin, to EU to start, continue our product. We're also going to share our product launches that we've done in EU. What are the differences compared to US product launches and general advice if you are coming 
to EU tech scene or if you are in EU tech scene, we can give you drop some knowledge. That's right. We're going to share our learnings and we are going to hopefully save you some time if you're considering doing the same. Yes. With that said, David, what was your experience moving to EU? <laughs> Where to start, my friend? Where to start? I kind of start on my experience not only trying to find a job, but also moving in and finding a place and, you know, navigating German language even when I moved to Berlin. I moved right before the first lockdown pre-pandemic, right? Of course, the last thing that was in my head was thinking about a pandemic, COVID. So I moved early 2020 and... I remember I moved to a co-living space thinking that I was going to network with other <laughs> digital nomads, which wasn't the case, by the way, and looking for a job, right? So I moved without any visa, without any job offer like others, because, you know, as you said before, as an engineer, it's fairly straightforward to get that precious blue card and be able to stay within the EU with a job. Yeah, and to those of you who don't know what blue card is, it's a special tech visa for Germany. If you work in the tech scene, you get this special visa that is more flexible than regular work visa, which also helps you to move along with permanent residency faster, lenient German language requirements and all that. That's right, that's right. And it's fairly easy to meet the requirements when you get any job in, in tech. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, having the, a, a place to live, at least at that time, and trying to find a job, pandemic in, lockdown, I thought, okay, time to send applications. And what I learned quickly is that there was a lot going on there. Right? There was a, a lot of posts. Recruiters were very keen to speak and, you know, follow up. But... It was very uncertain for me to understand what to expect from, from EU. I thought it was going to be something closer to the U.S. I was mm -hmm. prepared for an environment similar to the U.S. For context, I used to work for this U.S. company from Argentina, but I spent five years working first as an engineer, engineer manager, and doing already product work. So that's what basically shaped my, my mindset, right? And... To be honest, it wasn't that hard to get a job. It wasn't that hard to move, you know, on the interview processes on different companies. What it was hard, though, was to find something appealing. I learned soon that there was a lot of misunderstanding or confusion around the product manager role. You will find mm -hmm. companies posting product owner, job posts, project manager, job descriptions, but with a product manager title and things like that, right? So yeah, I struggled at the beginning trying to find a role that I was going to enjoy mm -hmm. until yeah, until I got an offer that convinced me and eventually joined, right? Of course, blue card process included, which is nice. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's interesting that you mentioned about product expectations of product manager. Even in U.S., you know, when I used to hire people, I when I used to hire product managers in U.S., I would say, hey, every company has a different expectation of product managers, startup to big companies. 
And I try to make it as transparent as possible when I was hiring in the US. But I think in Germany, the whole concept of product manager is, I don't know, still very, even more vague or it's more known, so to speak, right? Product managers, I mean, we grew up watching WWDC when you present, you know, it's a product manager presenting the product. The product management or product manager has been around in US or that culture has been really established. Whereas EU, which I agree with you, I feel like there is some ambiguity, especially if you talk about like German tech companies that, you know, the majority of them are Germans knowing yeah from Germans maybe you want to say (laughs) no no again project management product manager is misunderstood a lot of times I have that experience in US but definitely more in EU that's Um, right so yeah I guess one always wants to do the proper due diligence on the company you're joining and at the time it, it seemed like a good option for me I joined this meal kit service company they wanted to revamp the product team so to speak and i was up to the challenge and what was nice is that they work with this third-party company that would take care of the whole that hassle of getting the blue card which you know if you're new in the city in a country that is quite a big big perk so yeah i joined to lead the web team in particular, the acquisition funnel for this delivery service. And the main goal was to do conversion rate optimization when possible, but at the same time, working towards a longer term goal of migrating that to a new tech stack. And let me just chime in on my experience. David and I have similar experiences, yet a little different. So I was coming from LA. Same in a sense, it was around COVID time, 2021, March. Didn't have a job, just moved out here. But again, people always ask me when I say I moved from LA, I worked at this company or Silicon Beach, like, why'd you move? And my obvious answer was, have you heard of Trump? <laughs> again, it, I have my homies, my friends in LA, Silicon Valley, who work at big tech or, or startup making money. But at the same time, I was getting too comfortable where... I just felt like there is more things to explore. Yeah, those of you who are listening, who has the urge to try something new, it's not that hard. I mean, if David did it from Argentina during COVID, if I did it from LA, it's fine. You'll you'll be fine. Did you have Mm -hmm. um, an additional motivation to come to Germany? You know. Oh, we're talking about dirty secrets now. Okay. (laughs) I did have a ex-lover at the time who lived in Germany. And it was harder for her to get a visa in US. And it was easier for me as a tech person to move out here and find something. Privileges of tech people. Tell us how your interview process finding that job was. Yeah, it was very similar. Like I left LA with a very stressful startup, really big, evaluated for 200 million or so. I was like the first product manager there. Very stressful, toxic CEO, like 20-year-old, just going crazy, working Sounds 60... Sounds like a typical startup in the, in the US. Yeah, but it's even worse because it's a gaming industry. Gaming industry startup is very toxic. And I just had enough, you know? I was where like, hey, I deserve better. I need better mental health. So 
when I was interviewing, I was actually taking it slow. Like I needed a little bit of a break. And also moving to a different country during lockdown, I didn't want it to rush. And also the market, like you mentioned, it was easy. It was like mixed in a sense, like some industry within tech that were hiring crazy. Mm-hmm. As you know, Amazon, Facebook, like hired crazy during the lockdown, the stocks went up. But then there were also like other companies where... Like travel industry, right? Laying exactly. Off. Like travel industry, travel tech that were just laying off their left and right. So it was slower. I didn't rush. But at the same time, I, I had the same experience where the interview went for like six weeks. Right? I felt like I haven't heard from them for about a week and a half or two weeks. I thought they're done. Let's move on. You know, let's, I'm not going to study, you know, practice, uh, you know, research about more about the company and then randomly email like, hey, we want to continue. But at the end of the day, as you and I, we have experience in product. The more comfortable I get, the more honest I get, the easier the job interview process is. If I don't know anything, I say, hey, this is what I don't know. And when they ask specific questions and I say, hey, in US, this is my experience. And the more honest you are, the more easier the interview was. And same goes with dating, right? Be vulnerable. <laughs> Be honest. <laughs> Be honest, right? Yeah. And also experience helps a ton. You're right. You're talking yeah. about dating, right? Because you do have a lot of experience. I can confirm more than I, but I'm talking about interviewing, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, but, sure. Um, I'm curious. So... We did the interview part. We talked about the interview and we both landed in Auto Scout. This is, wh- this is where we met. But it's interesting enough, we both met in Berlin, although Auto Scout 24 is based in Munich. Can you tell me why, when you were finding the job, you, you were looking for Berlin? Is there a specific reason why you moved from Argentina to Berlin specifically? Yes. So I think I really... Okay, let me be very honest here. So the EU wasn't really my first option. At that point in time, I wanted to go to the US Mm -hmm. because Trump (laughs) and other things, right? Just like you. Getting a um, visa to work there was very, very hard. It was going to be extremely hard for me to do that from Argentina. And coming to the EU, I knew it was going to be easier with this blue card, right? Mm -hmm. Now... You know, also Brexit in between, to me, was really all about London or Berlin. Mm. And I've been in these two cities before that, and I thought you can actually have a better quality of life living Mm. in Berlin. And the tech scene was picking up, especially the startup world, Mm -hmm. which is where I enjoyed the most. So, yeah, that's why I decided to come to Berlin. Nothing in particular. I Mm. knew no one. I (laughs) only been here maybe three days before that and oh, it wow. just moved. and when i saw out of scout looking for people in berlin it started you know out of scout 24 for reference is a big company but the berlin office was quite small so i thought well you know you are gonna have that feeling of a small company at least with the office here in berlin and hey they were also paying a little bit higher than the average on Berlin salaries. Mm-hmm. For that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'm sure that you also got that juicy salary, you know. Well, speak for yourself because my recruiter <laughs> fucked me. 
I mean, the reason I also moved to Berlin, again, yes, Auto Scout, we have a lot of good and the bad and the ugly to talk about Auto Scout, but I think it was a perfect transition for both of us. We're moving from different country. We're still settling in Berlin. Auto Scout 24, which is part of Emo Scout, it's one of the biggest tech companies, I believe, like since 90s, right? Or early 2000s. It's like a dot com. Yeah, yeah. late 90s. But they are bringing these more new generation like you and me, a foreign talent, a lot of people outside of Germany to really reinvent themselves. So we also, I feel like, had some say. And they, at least Berlin team, they were really open to diversity, but it also felt like a startup. Super warm people. Yep. Yeah, for me, Berlin was the place, although when I first moved to Germany, I was not in Berlin. I was in Bavaria, a small town called Nuremberg, but I really wanted to move to Berlin. Why? It's very diverse. No, not because of techno and crazy party scene. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> Come on, Hino, you can say that. This is the space for <laughs> No, the reason I moved to Berlin is the diversity that you see, right? And even my neighborhood in Friedrichshain, I hear Spanish, Italian, like English. German is fourth language that I hear, right? And people are really mm-hmm. open to learn different languages, different cultures. And also because Berlin has that history of Berlin Wall, right? The East and the West look so dramatic and different. And people are open to learn different cultures. That is the official version. You know, now tell us the truth. <laughs> I mean, I love different w- types of women. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about actual product launches that we did in EU, right? So... David, you launched some products, you know, in Argentina when you were working for also for American company, but you also had experience now to launch a couple products in Germany. Tell me what those product launches were. What are the highlights? What are the lowlights and maybe differences of launching a product in Germany or EU versus, you know, in Argentina or in U.S.? Sure. So for reference, when we met in Scout, that was already my second company, right? So I can talk about at least two products in these two different companies. And I can talk about the similarities when it comes to launching. So the first one was, like I said, a, a meal kit service. And their product was within the EU in different markets, right? And One key difference is that you need to start thinking about different countries from day one, right? Mm -hmm. And even different languages. So internationalization, which is something that often is postponed down the line when you're thinking about launching, here is a must-have requirement for launch. And then trying to prioritize which one should go first so you can test make sure everything goes well and then follow up with the rest of the markets. You definitely don't want to be launching your first version of a product on the most important market, which is usually Germany in -hmm. in the EU. So yeah, in my first company, that was a funnel, an acquisition funnel, right? To sign up, optimize all that process and small improvements on conversion rate optimization. If you're going to get fancy with different experiments and in our scout, that was launching a new marketplace for car subscription, right? So mm-hmm. in both cases, I had to do my homework on 
check in the data, see where it makes sense to try this out in a market that is not one of the leading markets and just trying to make a gentle deployment and see that everything goes as suspected, including anything related to internationalization. And then follow up with the rest of the market. So the roll-up is definitely something that will take a little bit longer than your typical launch, in my case, to mm-hmm. you know a US-based product or even in Argentina. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how you mentioned, again, languages are important and you launch small country languages first, right? When I, when I worked at Disney in US, we will have a geo beta. We have a new app coming out. We will launch in New Zealand. We will do stress tests in Philippines because they speak English. They have slower internet. New Zealand or Australia, similar audience, similar culture, but that's not our core American audience. Right. But in that kind of geo launch or smaller launches like test launches, we don't care about language. It's all in English, right? Right. But it's, it's the same language, but different market. Exactly. And here, totally different languages. And like cultures too, like again, AutoScout 24, it's a car platform, resale platform. And I cannot believe how much Italians were saying, we're not Germans, we're Italians. We have better cars or we have a heritage with cars. And then <laughs> Germans saying, we're Germans, you know, everything is perfect. That, that's his engineering, you know. That's how. Uh, exactly. And it's interesting how every country in the EU has different way of, again, the launching is different. And if you're working in the texting in the EU, you will focus more than one country. You will focus more than one language. For sure. If you are also working in a B2B product, for instance, chances are you're going to be talking to either account managers or people that are having a very close relationship with these customers in these markets and regions, and they're going to be very defensive, very vocal about how they want this this way very different. And you will be going crazy trying to be compliant, you know, mm-hmm. try to satisfy all these mm-hmm. demands in very different mm-hmm. uh, regions or markets. So that's definitely bigger scope than you would normally think it is. Yep. And for some product managers that's listening, at the end of the day, it's a stakeholder management, right? It's just, it's a, a little different. Yes, but it's a little different because there's a cultural stakeholder, like cultural element involved. There's language involved. There's a little bit of ego involved because, again, I mean, stakeholders, all stakeholders have egos. But like, if you're talking about countries and flags, right? I still can't differentiate between Belgium, Dutch, all that, like how many languages they speak, the French, like, God damn it, you guys speak so many languages, like... Yeah. Yeah. Stakeholder management is definitely one of the highlights when it comes to interviewing with companies. They pay a lot of attention to that. How you communicate, how you're going to be able to navigate this stakeholder map. And if the company is a big one, then you bet you're going to be jumping across many layers of bureaucracy to get things done. Mm-hmm. Would you say that stakeholder management was your low light of this product launch or what other or what are the low lights that you had when you're launching products in EU? 
That's a good question. I used to think of myself as good at a stakeholder management until I had to deal with five markets at the same time. Mm. But uh, the lowest point for me was to realize that the US-based mindset that I had right, mm-hmm. was, was going to be sometimes even a, a weakness in a different culture, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Hold on. Tell me more about this U.S. mindset. Are we talking about Wolf of Wall Street? Are we talking about <laughs> Trump mindset? What mindset are we talking about? Yes, we're talking about the hustling mindset, right? The extra mile, the mm-hmm. get shit done, the move fast and break things mindset. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is very product and tech, again, I feel like silicon tech mindset. Yes, I guess, right? That is my exposure to US. So I'm, mm-hmm. I might be generalizing, but that's exactly what I'm talking about when, mm-hmm. when I say this. And why is that hustle mindset? It's worked negative for you at German companies and launching product in EU. Well, at the times, it, it, they can feel that you're just pushing too much, right? So I'll give you an example. In the first company that I joined, I was working with this engineering team and they had very clear idea of their roles, right? They were expecting, well, I'm just coming here from nine to five. And after that, I'm not going to touch my laptop until the next day, 9 9 Mm a.m., right? And and I'm doing my job, not one inch more or less, right? Mm -hmm. And... which is more than fair. I guess we sometimes end up in the other side of the spectrum, but at the same time, I was feeling a bit frustrated sometimes with the lack of proactivity or Mm. initiative. And that was mainly my struggle on my first experience. And the second one with AutoScout was I would have to jump across many people to get things done. And, Mm. And I would move on and and just skip the process or go around. And, you know, I will piss one or two people in that mm. process, which if you know me by now, you know, you also know that, that I'm okay with it. But as long as we can move forward and get things done, that's what I mean when I say that sometimes can be negative. Mm-hmm. Should we jump into the last question of this section, Enoch? Mm-hmm. If you could give yourself an advice before moving to Germany, what would that be? Finding an apartment in Berlin is crazy, (laughs) nearly impossible. I have to say it because if you're a tech person and if you're moving in Berlin, you're a talented person, you're a skilled person that people want to hire you. But apartment, it's really hard to find an apartment. That's number one. Number two, if you're moving EU for a tech scene, just absorb the culture, absorb the EU tech culture. One of the best mentors that I ever met, which is Tino, shout out to Tino from Auto Scout. And I have that same hustle mindset where I'm on a vacation, but I answer a couple emails and answer a couple Slack messages, right? Nobody made me do it, but I felt the need, right? Not because I want to be goody goody, but I was invested, right? Because mm-hmm. um, quote unquote, I care. And I remember having a one-year review with my boss, Tino, and he sat me down and he said, and this was during Christmas when I replied, and he said, you answered your Slack and email. This means you don't trust your team. 
which was very interesting insight for me. And and as a jokingly, also he said, yeah, I had to freaking work during holidays, maybe because we hired so many people from US this year. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. true that it hurts for for him. Yeah, again, in EU mindset, one of the cliche quote is, we work to live, we don't live to work, right? And that's the advice that I want to give to younger self. Like, hey, if you're coming to EU tech scene, you're not here to hustle to live to work. You're in EU because you want to live and just live. You know, you're working to live. It's a great advice, and I I will second you on that one. Actually, um, mm-hmm. I would give myself, hey, slow down, right? First of all, this is not the U.S. Second mm-hmm. of all, you need to pace yourself as well. I mean, in the past, I burned out myself, so I certainly have a tendency to overwork. And I think in in you, you can have that beloved work life balance that many of us chase right and still you can make a little bit of a difference if you want to push yourself that you know no one can take that from you if you still want to do it right but just mm-hmm. keep that in mind and the other advice probably is do your due diligence on the companies you joined uh, even if if that means that you will have to request an additional interview go a little bit farther take the time to talk to people that used to work there and so on because you might learn things once you're already at the company that you didn't expect just because you assume that it was going to be like in the US. That would be... That's amazing advice. High snobiety that I I am right now, I actually, when I got the offer, I emailed the PMs who left the company, the PMs who left, and I emailed them, hey, I see some reviews on Glassdoor. They're very mixed. Mm -hmm. I had bad experiences in some companies I just DM them via LinkedIn and then, hey, can we just grab a coffee? And they're more than happy to share their thoughts, right? And yeah, take your time. It's okay to message people who left the company and they will give you, you know, honest answer. Don't take everything, you know, take it with a grain of salt. People who are bitter who left, they will definitely have one side of the perspective, but it's always good to hear from the company who are trying to hire you. Hey, we want you because we're this and this, but even reach out to people who left and why you did you leave? you recommend and yeah i had good good experiences with the people who left they left because of their new career path and that's why i joined and i am happy and this is not sponsored by high snobiety <laughs> and that is great advice I don't, I don't think anyone is gonna avoid being honest especially because it's very common in the eu as well that you go back to the former employer i've seen that which is not something that i would do myself potentially but yeah, here is pretty common. I want to introduce you to this section called Real PM Shit. <laughs> Which so, I don't know what yes. to expect, right? So Yeah. So I mean I love games. I mean I was a games product, media product manager. So this section is a game-like feature. Think of it like a game show, right? So it's called Real PM Shit, aka if you know, then you know. I can ask you some questions, David, and you have to answer them honestly. And the shorter, the concise, the better. Okay. So number one, least favorite stakeholder or most annoying stakeholders? Huh. We're still talking about EU, right? Uh, You don't have to clarify. (laughs) Okay. Least favorite 
stakeholders would be business counterparts, former McKinsey mm. folks. Mm. Definitely a lot of clashing on on mindset and way of thinking. Shots fired, McKinsey, PwC. Fuck you guys. <laughs> you know what next, I'm <laughs> next question: Startup or big company? A startup, 10x mm. all the time, always. I had already my taste on a big company. Not for me. Move on. Mm-hmm. To the moon. That's why. <laughs> if you if you had only three apps on your phone for the rest of your life, what would it be? Only three apps: Spotify, easy. Mm-hmm. Google Maps, easy. Mm-hmm. And some kind of fitness tracker, sleep coach-ish app as well. Okay. Listeners, we're not Gen Z. As you heard, there's no YouTube. There's no TikTok. That tells us about our age. What's that crap, Enoch? <laughs> okay. Engineer or designer? Who makes a better Ooh. work life? This is a tough one. I'm going to get in trouble for answering this one. I think mm-hmm. I'm going to just lean towards engineering because you know my heart is still there that's your first love i get it yeah yeah okay so you know finish <laughs> <laughs> okay. so finish the sentence i always wake up oh wow i always wake up naked now i'm joking okay. as a pm i make sure that i blank as a PM, I make sure that I hit my macros and my uh, sleep time as well. Mm, okay. That's good advice. Balanced advice. Dead or alive, I would have dinner with? This is a tough one as well. I guess that would mean messy. Okay. Oh, wow. Congrats, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I look blank in a PM. I look for raw intellectual power in a PM. I don't care about experience in general. Okay, okay, okay. He likes that raw shit. Okay, real PM (laughs) raw shit. Got it. Okay, and lastly, my name is David and I am blank. I am ex-perfectionist under recovery. Oh, seems like you need some therapy. Oh, who doesn't? (laughs) Facts. All right. (laughs) That is our part two show, Real PM Shit. David, you were the first victim of this game show. David, why don't you just close this out for us? Let's hit a home run. And that's all for our very first episode ever, listeners. If you enjoyed it and want to learn more about product leaders in the EU, like and subscribe. We're going to make this podcast together, so leave your thoughts below. What do you want to know? Who should we invite next? Check the latest updates and behind-the-scenes content on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as another product P. Yes, with a P at the end, another product P. You might find Enoch dancing there. Thanks for tuning in. This is David. See you in the next episode of another product podcast. Thanks, mom, for listening. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I-